Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Mitten Backstage. Hope you're doing well. Today, I'm chatting with Brandon Copeland. Now, a lot of you might know Brandon from around the Grand Rapids scene. He is involved in so many different projects, from his own personal work under Dante Cope, to Le Creatif, to Wimcat, to you know, running underground shows, throwing in, you know, DIY venue parties. Like he's done a lot of stuff. We talk all sorts of things from some of our past shared experiences around the GR scene to his experience in the DIY underground scene, making, you know, all sorts of things happen from behind the scenes to being a teacher, being a, you know, kind of a out of the box performer, uh, you know, not being pigeonholed to one style or genre or even an instrument so he's a multifaceted dude and it was fun getting to chat with him if you like today's episode and you want to contribute to the podcasts that i produce you can head on over to patreon.com slash there you can support at different tier amounts to get early access to the audio and video versions of each podcast exclusive merch and more Also, becoming a patron isn't just about you getting content early. It's about showing your support for artists in general, because Patreon is a great way to help artists, especially post-COVID, supplement their income and continue to create and grow as artists and people in the artistic spaces that they occupy. You can also head over to DutchSeneca.com to see everything else that I'm currently up to on the internet. I recently updated my touring page to show some fall shows that I have for the month of October. So if you're in the area, come check it out. October 9, uh, I will be with Earth Radio and the Go Rounds at Northern Natural. So hopefully I'll see you there. If you also want to support this podcast, you know, sharing, liking, subscribing, any way that you normally interact with a piece of content on the internet uh, helps me a lot. You know, all this talk of the algorithms and feeding them as creators, it's very tricky to navigate. Things change at the drop of a hat. So your ability to just share to your friends, like, you know, follow regularly, you know, get updated and post about things that you like watching, that helps all creators. So that's a great thing to do, too. All right, let's get into today's chat with Brandon Copeland. simple right now and i'm sure we'll add like little textures but <laughs> nice yeah yeah i've just been making their tones um yeah our stuff is always like dark and like weird so <laughs> there's a lot of dark and weird tune, new dark and weird tunes coming up so right um, actually i want to talk to you about the uh, the Helen Lyle track, the one that oh. thought, um, yeah, that one, she's going to release it soon. Um, she's been like slowly releasing stuff for like her se- second project, which is like, I would say like 60% done, 70% done. Um, okay. It's a little more focused than like her first project, just as far as like kind of going a different route, less like hip hop beats and just more like psych rock type stuff oh cool so it's been nice yeah, yeah. nice little uh i don't know i guess you work with her enough where it feels 
more like I would say side project, but it's like she's part of the what you do, I guess. If I'm thinking of the right person. Yeah. <laughs> um actually no. I'm not uh, the right person. <laughs> no. That's Don for the most part. But like Don like Helen kind of just came about she was looking for a producer. Um oh okay. Friend of hers at work. I had done stuff for with with um her style her sound is like really like almost like a throwback it's like sort of like beth Givens with like a little bit of bjork okay um so she kind of has like a unique voice um which sort of trip hop but yeah it's nice. nice um yeah we actually I don't have, I have one song with her um, outside of like the stuff I've produced for her. Um, and that's actually going to be released soon, uh, Halloween. So that's going to come out on Halloween. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is the season for <laughs> just putting work into creative stuff. I, I feel like my summer schedule, there's there's remnants of it in terms of like, you know, there's some weddings I'm still playing this month and there's like, you know, I'm still running around, but as it's starting to get colder, the running around is like, it's not like, Oh, go here. And then there. And it's like, all right, we're going to go like today is like, I went to Mark's house and we just spent like four hours just working on stuff. And now I'm home. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not driving all over the state, <laughs> but that's, yeah. Like yeah yeah like last month we had a ton of shows um this month kind of just like sitting back more just like recording um yeah <laughs> it's just like i think last month i had like probably like eight eight performances okay which like for me is a lot like just because i also teach <laughs> and then i also right. like yeah it's just I'm like, yeah, getting a little burnt out. So let's, let's turn it back. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I can't even think of the people who have, you know, like a bunch of um, like reschedules from last year. And I was, you know, talking to some of the people who are more on the producing end, but also perform of um, within Blue Water Kings. And one of the guys out of Chicago was like, oh, yeah, there's like, you know, 700 reschedules <laughs> across <Yeah. laughs> the board. And like he's he was doing like four to six gigs a week for like you know, months. <laughs> just yeah, it's insane. <laughs> it, like that schedule is just crazy. Um, yeah, I think like doing performances uh, teaching and producing in between all of that. So it's been like a month of a productive month of good music. Right. But I like, want to finish up a bunch of projects. So like October is like, let's finish up a bunch of projects. We have like music videos in the works and all of that type of stuff. So it's like getting all of that done. Um, cause like when you're on the road or if you're just doing a bunch of shows, it's really hard to do all of that, <laughs> like at the same time um planning stuff <laughs> yeah 
everybody's yeah. schedules is crazy. Um, like pretty much everybody in our band, like they're in different bands as well. So it's mm -hmm. like, um, I'm pretty sure like, like Justin did a few solo shows last month. Uh, Hugo plays with a bunch of different people. So it's, yeah. <laughs> it's there. Yeah. And when even like, I think of the people who just, you know, trying to make small talk that aren't musicians and they were, you know, they were asking, you know, like, oh, do you guys got gigs coming up? Or like, where can I go see you next? And, <laughs> you know, there's some stuff in the books, but to try and explain like, yeah, you know, this is still a weird time. Like you might be able to have the convenience of walking into a place and seeing music, but so many, you know, like the whole weird cobbled together system of, of the music industry was all like all over the place. Like people, you know, who were booking at for a place, they're not there anymore. Or that place that had music doesn't have music. And, you know, people are still parsing out like what's still around or what started like new places have popped up and <laughs> yeah, all over the place. <laughs> yeah. It's been like, I kind of took the opportunity to kind of just like start with a clean slate. So like started with some open mics, um, just to get back in the swing of like doing shows again. <laughs> um, and then like put some shows that like, the normal places we play at. Um, but it was also like, we had a bunch of opportunities that were like, not our traditional like opportunity. Like we did a Grandpa's Chamber show, um, which was like cool, but also just weird. Cause it's like, they're bringing in people that aren't really like there to listen to the music. Right. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> Uh, you know this is what the city has to offer it's like a tour and it's like yeah now play <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like i said we play dark and weird stuff so like <laughs> it's just like you guys are in for a trip you guys yeah are in for a trip. <laughs> well and i'm sure like you know because i i feel like that happens sometimes with earth radio where like people don't know what we do and they hire us for like a thing that we take because it's like, oh, it's, you know, we got that Friday open or something. And then somebody's, you know, gets upset that like we did something or like we were too loud. And it's like, did you listen yeah. to any of our music <laughs> before hiring us? We definitely get the too loud. We definitely get like, I didn't think it was going to be this intense or this <laughs> political. <laughs> uh, we get a lot of that. It's just weird. Like, it's weird that like when people book shows, they don't actually listen to the music. <laughs> That's what's weird to me. Yeah, just, so weird. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just like if you, I have the saying that like, um, they pay you uh, what you can't do, not what you can do. So like, unless they say like you can't jump off of the speakers or like, you know. <laughs> be loud <laughs> yeah like if they want us to be quiet they could pay us more we'll be quieter but we're gonna do our set how we normally do it until yeah they tell us otherwise but contracts mm -hmm. <laughs> so contracts <laughs> they tell us we need to be quiet we'll be quiet and 
yeah right but. yeah it's so like it's it's funny when i get the inverse too where like people want you know they they want to hire like I, i'm doing a background music gig at the end of the month for like a i think it's like a convention or something i don't know what it's something at devos center and you know i'm i've done that before where you know it's like oh there's a bunch of people they're all there to see you know, businesses and booths and network. And then I'm just in a corner and they walk past and some of them do the like, yeah, good. that sounds like music. And they keep going. And yeah. <laughs> and this person, they like went through, they went through, uh, you know, uh, like a friend who knew me and then recommended me for the thing. So it's like, okay, this person went through someone they trust to then hire someone they, you know, yeah made sense but then they still the person planning everything still wanted like oh could you send like a sample of like what you do like (laughs) do you want yeah look at my website like your friend recommended exactly (laughs) what you wanted but you're still skeptical (laughs) yeah i think like (laughs) i don't know people are have this idea in their head of what they want for music and they have a hard time explaining that (laughs) Yep. to like the people they're hiring and it's also like this that's part of it the other part is just like if you want like something fun and something cool or something like leave that to the professional like that's what you're hiring that person to do is to bring that <laughs> like as long as you can tell them the vibe or whatever you want it's up to the musician to bring that uh, but most of the time people don't like have that vision of what they want like well what do you actually want <laughs> and most of the time it's just like i want background music or the you know i want this i want that it's just yeah i feel like like parties you know booking something like playing for dinner or something like that the whoever's booking it should be intentional on what they what they want yeah, it's like, it's funny how people can understand, like, it's like you don't go to Michael's to buy plumbing equipment. Like, not every store is a Walmart. <laughs> and, you know, some musicians can be multi-dimensional and multifaceted and serve multi-purpose functions. But, you know, if you're hiring a band that usually comes with, like, here's what we do and here's what we sound like and, you know there's somebody's it puts in their bio like we're kind of like this band and this band so if you like this band and then people are still like i don't should we hire this rock band for my you know <laughs> my uh baby showers <laughs> yeah our our band is weird because like we cross genres a lot um so like some people book us as a jazz band and then realize we're not jazz <laughs> or they'll book us for like a rock show or a hip-hop show and they're just like oh y'all do a little bit of all of that at some point in the set but <laughs> it's like I tell people we're just like a like a funk rock band that's right. the best way to describe it it's just like you know we're like a derivative of like parliament and that that yeah so there's gonna be some rock elements there's gonna be some heavier elements 
there's going to be some like you know jazzier stuff smooth stuff it like we like to take people on a journey so it's just like enjoy the ride <laughs> we'll drop you off we'll drop you off at a safe point at some point in the set but we want you to feel so we want you to feel something <laughs> so it's like yeah yeah I think if, that, it... oh, go if, ahead. That, if what you're feeling is anger then <laughs> we still made you feel something <laughs> but that's good yeah. <laughs> yeah as long as you know uh there's some sort of reaction that we've done our job <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um well and i think of someone like you know chris dave running the drum heads and it kind of being a like a a genre jumping playlist and yeah he always at the top of the set will say like you know it, it's like you're digging through records at a record store and you're like sampling a little bit from each and then i feel like he like i don't know if it's intentional or if he um just it's out of habit he does it but there are times where he uses that like snare the side snare with like a delay uh and it's almost like a dj doing like you know they're like coming to yeah. the end of something and then they cue in you know a tag or some sample yeah, echo out <laughs> yeah. yeah and it's like that you know whether or not people pick up on that kind of thing it's like oh he's he's doing the thing that he said in a very simple sentence but there's a lot of ways you know yeah. to get that across <laughs> i think like just the way people consume music nowadays it's like people listen to a bunch of different stuff so like as artists like we can do all of that and jump genres just because that's the way people listen to stuff now. It's just like, you know, I'll put on Spotify or whatever, go from jazz record to hip hop record to some heavier rock like Lice or like, you know, different bands. And then, you know, come back full circle. It's just like, whatever's it, whatever mood you're in at the time. Oh, and I just feel like artists are starting to do that now. Just like different bands are starting to do that. It's like, you know, we're not technically one genre. We kind of can jump around. Yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, it, it, it's like some people can, I don't know, express that fluidity. I, I feel like sometimes, you know, like the word jazz can get thrown around a lot and it's like, okay, but where... Like, where are you coming from with it? Are you, is it because you learned, you know, some extended harmonies? Like that doesn't necessarily mean jazz, but maybe you learned them from yeah. a jazz song. And, you know, not to say that like people can't subscribe to jazz, but it's, and even jazz as a term is like starting to, it's like black American music is like the umbrella term for <laughs> like yeah. a bunch of styles. <laughs> Now when you say jazz, it scares people. It all comes from a it all comes from a place. It's so like, you know, you can't like for most of our stuff, it comes from like bitches brew Miles Davis era type stuff. It was just like, yeah, let's like do something weird with the electric guitar and the sax. But like that could be just a segment in a song, whereas like the entire song is not jazz <laughs> as like the genre. It's just like, no, we just like have this part 
and uh, you know, it's just taking like I'm a hip hop kid, so like for me, it's like sampling, but like we're just playing it. So it's just like I take a little sample of like this, take a little sample of this, take a little sample of this, put it all together, and you kind of just create your own genre at that point. But it's like instead of like actually going sampling the records, we're just like playing it or just making up our own stuff. It, that's that's usually like how I look at music. It's just like I have like a vibe that I want to, you know, have. And then I'll write within that. So it's just like, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, this song is gonna be moody and it's gonna be dissonant. And then like, that's just the idea. Um, and then I'll like take cues from like, just inspiration from like pretty much any, anything. Like I'm a big Bowie fan. Bowie to me is like genres just clash <laughs> like throughout most of his music. It's just like I found something new that I like. Now I'm gonna put it into the music. <laughs> and you know, now I'm not classic rock anymore. I'm doing this. Oh, I heard about Trent Reznor, so now I'm gonna do like yeah, Freight of Americans <laughs> and just like <laughs> jump into different genres. And then like even like later. It was like the Black Star album. It was like, yeah, that's inspired by Kendrick Lamar. It's just like, if you don't listen to it, you don't like hear it because people are just like, how? And it's <laughs> like, nah, he, you know, some of the techniques they use in the album. Yeah, there's, there's a, but that is like how our approach, like writing, uh, like in Lake Creative, we have like me, Don, and Trav do most of the writing so it's like they have different styles than I do <laughs> so right. it, it's cool like to mash them all together it's like sometimes like Trap writes the whole thing sometimes like we all write together sometimes I write the whole thing sometimes Don writes the whole thing so it's like um, we're kind of just like blending all of our styles together and see where everybody fits yeah, it, the, the the happy compromise with a lot of creative people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's It's kind of that way in Earth Radio where, like, we've – everyone in the band, aside from David since he's newer, um, I mean, David, you know, contributed percussion and, and other additions to parts on the sessions we just did. And everyone else in the band – you know, from when it first started to now, um, has contributed something. Um, and the main songwriters are Justin and Hannah, but even between them, it's like very different, like different perspectives, even though they're both kind of coming from like writing very like, I don't know, not folksy, but like, like human it like hu human feeling music whether it's like soul or like you know a funk starting point and then they'll jump around take inspiration from other sounds other styles and then we kind of have to come together on like oh yeah i like this layer but what if we did it this way or i like this we have like you know <laughs> with this record we we just did uh <laughs> like in the mixing process there's so many like we have a um 
a bunch of takes where while we were taking the dry takes, there was a separate wet channel and it was just, you know, the guest producer, Paul Clemson was like manipulating all the pedals while everything was being tracked that we didn't hear. And then now we just have, you know, like an hour of <laughs> like just sounds and like, where did that, go? let's put that here. And like, where, how did he, is that the piano? Like, where did he, <laughs> so it's, it's nice to have like a band where any idea goes, but then we also can kind of trim away at like what might be too much or too little for the, the feel we want. Um, so it's not just like, you know. Uh, an abrasive symphony or like some somebody's master's yeah. thesis like here's i wrote a piece about this giant word that i translated <laughs> but um yeah yeah we do that too i was like going through some sessions and it's like we'll have 120 tracks we're only using like 30 of them <laughs> it's just like all these other tracks that like we're just alternate takes or like you know, a different idea that we didn't even use. There was like one of our songs, Row, like originally had a different hook altogether that we had recorded. And then it was just like, uh, I like Trav's hook better. <laughs> so then it was just like, we jumped into that one. We're like, we're using that as a hook for the song. Uh, yeah, it's just like, all of that, like, I, I love it. It's just like, we can bounce around ideas, add stuff, take out a lot of stuff because that's what we mo mainly do is just like let's take this out this out this out <laughs> this out <laughs> and then like strip it strip it down to like to me like if you could play a song like acoustically and then play with all the bells and whistles then it's a good song like if you could do both back and forth because it's just like that's i usually like to like i'll like build a song you know add a bunch of layers boom 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 and then like at the end, if I can like just play it with just like piano and voice or like guitar and voice. And if it's still a good song, that's how I like do my creative compass work. Like, oh yeah, that's a good song. Let's keep it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and and I think too, with you know, when we put out a record, we know that there's going to be the recorded version and then a live version with like, you know, it's like, oh, we only got four people realistically what can these four people do and that's why like everyone in the band has some blend of like you know they're playing an instrument half the band singing but then everyone's got effects of some kind or like a sample pad or you know something extra yeah. to kind of you know somebody's triggering something and you're like where is it coming from <laughs> so it's yeah it's it's fun kind of, or even a band like, you know, watching Hiatus Coyote's Tiny Desk and like what they were able to pull off with really just the only additional band members were the, the singers they tour with. And I think one of them played a little bit of keys, but it was just yeah. drums, bass, and then different keyboards. And then Napalm sometimes playing guitar. <laughs> yeah. And there's just this cool blend of texture to each each track even though there was only four people doing stuff <laughs> yeah no that's like we kind of kind of stick into our stick to our roles it's more like drums bass guitar um 
and then me doing something weird on every song, whether it's either sax, keys, or guitar. Um, and then there's like, but I mean like, Hugo as a drummer fills up a lot of space. He has like bunch of all the percussion. Yeah, yeah all, all the percussion. Yeah, so that kind of like fills up a lot of the space. And then we have like Justin as a guitar player. We kind of just let him do his thing. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> at practice, he's like, every song I play different. And we're just like, <laughs> he has a good ear and like, he just like zones out. He just add like layers of like goodness. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. It's like usually like me, like lately we've have a lot of our new songs I'm playing guitar. So it's basically just me like holding down like just the rhythm or like a set <laughs> pattern. Um, and then like letting everybody else kind of bounce around that. And then like vocally between the three of us, yeah, like the vocalist change. That's always been weird like doing live just because like uh sound guys are always like who's your main vocalist <laughs> head up monster it's not like lead singer backup singer it's, it's just like <laughs> we all are just turn all of our mics up yeah, yeah. We'll handle <laughs> it. but uh it's it's always weird with that just because like but usually we'll turn my mic up more than everybody else and like lately i've been doing less of like the vocal caring of stuff it was just like yeah you might want to have everybody's mic up because <laughs> we are yeah but it's been it's been nice yeah late, late lately it's been like so with covid and all of that music venues reopening i noticed that a lot of music venues fired their sound people i am one like, of them <laughs> <laughs> and and now all these venues, the sound sounds terrible. <laughs> and I'm just like, maybe that's, that's something like you should have kept around if you're going to still do music. Because, yeah, you can't have all these shows. It's just like sounding bad. Uh, so that's been like, yeah, sort of a little pet peeve. Yeah, because then it always it always falls, you know, it always falls on the you know the artist or like you know somebody who's not related to how the front of house should sound anyway <laughs> yeah. um and you know i think of like with founders doing the like the patio shows they've been like contracting steve leaf and morgan and i'm like hey uh just give morgan that job again if he wants it <laughs> yeah. and he can build another team like that there's you know i don't think places realize how valuable a, a sound person that like has put in a lot of time and effort into making a space you know like com comfortable enough for people to like see shows in um yeah. and then just trying to like pass it off to like oh you you got you got bluetooth headphones you like music and you're like what <laughs> <laughs> you could probably do it <laughs> Yeah, it's either that or I see, like, a lot of, like, studio engineers trying to do live sound. 
and there's a difference <laughs> like there's a huge difference like especially like if you're not comfortable with the space or like the venue itself um like you can't just like subcontract somebody and bring them in mm-hmm. um and then like an hour before the show and just be like hey let's do a quick sound check or line check and then throw the like a six-piece band on doesn't work that way (laughs) (laughs) like it's just yeah uh but i mean like there's like founders for example like they invested a lot like before covid pre-covid into like their sound like when they first opened their sound was terrible the space setup was terrible it was just like you know long hallway they put like the dampeners in the they ended up putting the dampeners in like the ceiling and like the japes along the window so it doesn't just like bounce around yeah <laughs> it's not like an echo chamber so like you know a few years later like they're one of the better sounding venues mm-hmm. uh, but it's just like a lot of venues don't invest the time or the resources into doing that and just like having you know uh front of the house mix and then like a stage mix where like the band can hear what they want to hear like and the audience can actually hear what's going on uh, i think most venues they just turn it up really loud i hope they just blow out everybody's ears so nobody notices <laughs> they can't so. yell at us if they can't hear it <laughs> yeah yeah so. it's it's also like it's funny because I, you know, having an office at Third Coast, um, there's, I definitely want and should and should probably just dive right into like, you know, getting used to like turning on the SSL, you know, recording stuff, routing things to different places just to get used to how that, I mean, I get an idea of how it's all set up, but it's, it's very comprehensive. But when I was asking uh, Bill, uh, Bill Chrysler who owns the studio. Um, I was like, how does it, how does live sound compare to studio sound? And he's like, well, if you're coming from live sound to studio, it's way easier because you're going from yeah. like a dynamic environment that's always changing and you're always having to adjust based on, you know, the, the style in the room or how many people or, or even if you're, you know, contracted out and you just do sound at different spaces, indoors and outdoors your your ears are having to work to hear certain things versus you know getting used to a studio space and not realizing like oh your monitors are mounted wrong so you're missing some of the top end because all you're hearing is you know a a part of your mix or you know oh you you're you're literally just you know you're doing it in your basement which is fine but you're used to a basement (laughs) versus like yeah i don't know trying to mix on the fly like that instead of being able to like sit there and like okay i know this room's tuned let's eq things in and out you know take an hour to (laughs) eq like one track or something (laughs) you can yeah it's like the being in the because yeah he did live sound for decades so he's very much aware (laughs) of like yeah it's way easier to not have to think about playing in an amphitheater or like a stadium or (laughs) somebody's backyard like yeah it's just a room (laughs) that's ready to use (laughs) yeah yeah i feel like i do feel like a lot of the studios here i've actually like recorded or played in a bunch of them here and like a lot of them are pretty nice 
mm-hmm. like a lot of I think uh Amberlit, I've done a bunch of stuff with them. Yep. Um uh Dogtown mm-hmm. recently, like that was nice. Yeah. Um yeah. River City, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Probably one of the best best in the city. Yeah. Uh Audio Bay, uh, like I used to do stuff out there a long time ago, but he's still kicking and doing doing great stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's just like a lot of the new stuff, like a lot of like creative stuff, we recorded ourselves. Um, I have like a 500 series setup. Nice. It works decent for what we're doing right now. It saves time and money. And like, if I have an idea, I can just go and lay it down <laughs> rather than like, wait practice it out or just like do some rough stuff um and it's like my setup is mobile too so i can like set up in different rooms mm. um i made it mobile because like i was on the road a lot uh like when i was on the road i was like i don't need to record like at some point you know <laughs> i would need to record uh and i would just like bring like a little roll case with me and then like can do whatever I want. I have a bunch of different mics. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like doing it that way or the way we've been doing it, um, we're also trying to like use our setup. So like if or when we go on tour, depending on COVID, right. um, we have all our stuff and we can just like continue to work and record and do music on the road yeah Uh, that's kind of the smart way to do it (laughs) yeah um and it doubles as like our like effects box too so like we can run our microphones in there for vocals and things like that and get like all the extra extra stuff that we need (laughs) uh (laughs) in a lot in a live performance um but we're still kind of testing that out. So it's been like, yeah. Yeah. I've definitely seen like, I've seen, you know, like certain bands that have, you know, if if they buy the, the stuff to have the infrastructure, they get like a, you know, like a P16 and they run all their in-ears and then just run lines out from there to the house. And I've also seen other times where... <laughs> I think of a, a show I, I worked at Founders where it might have been like a harvest party or something because um, I think it had like four artists. And one of them was like, I can't remember. I think his name was Steven something. It, it wasn't Williams, but he was like related to like the Hank Williams lineage in some way. And, you know, had a good voice, but um, his <laughs> it, whoever he hired to bring uh you know insisted on running literally it was just you know vocals guitars and tracks and he wanted to run it all through his ableton setup to get a multi-track recording and then send it out to us and we were like we could take you know it's like four lines we could just take that and like multi-track it ourselves like we already do that and (laughs) and they were like no no we got it and like we were noticing like things were like cutting out and like weird, di- you know, digital hiccups. And then yeah. after the last song, everything just like 
was like it shut down <laughs> oh yeah and we we're just like we tried to <laughs> yeah it's just like at that point it's just like most digital mixers now have like where you could just put plug a usb in you can record straight from like the mixing console and the live venue so it's like yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I, I don't know it's well and i think of like whenever we would have guest engineers they they like i remember a couple it might have been the guy who was touring with like the infamous string dusters um i think they had their own sound but it, it was a dude who literally like you know he introduced himself and then he comes over and then was like i know you guys have a digital board but like which one is it and we're like oh the m32 and he opens up this little case and there's like a bunch of thumb drives with like presonus and like m32 x32 like he had just yeah. made mixes on a bunch of yeah. different boards <laughs> and just plugged that's, it in loaded the scenes and it was great yeah that's the way to do it <laughs> it's <laughs> is that and like even like going from live to like recorded audio like when I used to record bands and stuff and they have a, you know, major label bands and stuff, they would already have all of their stuff. Like, <laughs> these are the compressors we use. This is the stuff we use. Like, can you do that? <laughs> like, load all those presets in, they already have it for their voice. So they sound the same every time, no matter what studio they're recording in. It's just like, I think every artist should do that. And like, especially like, in the recording, like every studio should do that in the recording session, like save that, you know, a template for that singer or template for that guitar player. So, you know, like every time they come in the studio, they have, you just plug and play, boom, you know, this is Dutcher's, what he likes for piano, what he wants to hear. <laughs> right. <is> there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all the buses are there. Yeah. Um, I know it's like a lot of studios don't really do that. <laughs> They'll just like do that per song, but like then they're starting blank new again. And it's like, or like maybe for like an album and then the next album come through and it's just like, no, nothing saved <laughs> or like nothing's, no presets are saved for the first time. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and that's why, I, you know, if I've just watching Kevin, how Kevin and Bill work. And even when, you know, Joe Hedinga was there watching him work a little bit, um, before I had an office and uh, seeing like, you know, like Jake Kershaw is recording his album right now. And, you know, I'll walk into studio a and it won't just be like, Oh, it's his guitar and an amp. It's like, Nope, all the amps are out <laughs> and yeah. they're all, you know, there's enough mics to like have a basic, like, okay, we're going to, you know, we might need to move Switch. a mic over to another amp, but, it's really easy to just be like, Oh, try the Marshall. Oh no. Try the Fender twin. Try the, like, there's no, yeah. it's not like, yeah, we, you know, it's, it's not like he starts with one thing and they're like, well, now we got to go get this and set it up. It's like, Nope, <laughs> yeah. we're giving you the yeah, options look. right now. <laughs> they're all ready to go. <laughs> um, or yeah. even with, you know, earth radio, I don't, it'll be interesting to see how we do the next album. Cause we, I think Kevin even took a picture of it. Like all the, the TT cable routing on the SSL, everything was just like 
every channel is being used and it's just this <laughs> mess of cables. And I'm like, I, I know it's all going places, but like, I can't keep track of where, where the chains are all going. And um, I'm glad that, you know, having another set of ears there and another producer mind to be like, Oh, well, instead of, you know, taking a vote, like, Oh, you want effects on the vocal from this pedal instead of, you know, routing a TT to quarter inch yeah. and then back into a, a board it's you know just ascends from like a wet channel through an aux sends or something yeah and yeah just it's i that i remember learning sound just in a, a church environment kind of in a it was like a six hour training and they're like all right your first service <laughs> is on sunday i'm like all right <laughs> and having to like you know get used to like before they fixed everything um all the routing was all over the place it was like nothing was one-to-one -one. it was like oh yeah fader one controls channel five and that goes in at six on the stage <laughs> and it's in the it's you know number eight on the p16 or so <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> <laughs> you're like i, can't I bet it's a it. <laughs> yeah i bet it's a terrible situations like that like <laughs> It was like a while ago, this is a long time ago, um, but Fountain Street Church was trying to like, I had a recording company and they hired our recording company to do their services. And they also wanted us to revamp their like systems that they had. Uh, Cause they used to do bands and stuff in like the eighties. Right. And then they stopped for a while and they had all this equipment. <laughs> so like, we have to go through it all, <laughs> like inventory it all. But then they like had a lot of stuff that was like hardwired through the building that was like still plugged in. Oh. Like, yeah, <laughs> having to figure out like where this overhanging mic that's been up there for the past 25 years, <laughs> does it work? A, <laughs> and like B, what's it wired to? Cause it's like, you know, into the ceiling and like, <laughs> don't know where it goes. So we had to figure all of that out. Uh, which was also like scary cause we had to go all the way up to the top of the cathedral on this like little harness and like shimmy uh, the ceiling to pull that mic through. And then, wow. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was, they had some like really old school like ribbon mics that were like in pretty pristine condition. Um, they had a pretty good setup, but it was just like wired crazy when going into the mixer and stuff like that too. So uh, ended up redoing all of that and uh i ended up leaving like the recording company around that time so i think uh there was like two guys travis and dave that ended up finishing up that job um yeah I was yeah like, I, I, I can't do this <laughs> <laughs> this is not what i wanted to do <laughs> yeah <laughs> Although but it was uh, uh it was it was fun like it was fun at the time <laughs> yeah yeah. Well, I, I was just thinking like you with all the different, not just, ex, I guess, experiences, but like the, the nature of like, whether you're creating something or you're doing some sort of job. Um, Cause you also teach at Wimcat and it's, it's like a lot of that stuff I feel like is, is great for being able to teach someone like, no, you know, like sound isn't like, it's not always two plus two equals four. You know, it's like, yeah. okay, is, is two even there? And 
I think that's two and we're at seven. So that that's weird. Let's figure yeah. out how to even that out. Um, but has that been, is that back to being more in person or like, did that just. Yeah. We're back in person full time now. And it's been nice. Cause like, um, have you been in the building? Yeah. Uh, once it's been probably since 2019 or something. So like my classroom, um, we have like the main classroom and then there's like a small booth, like soundproof room. Uh, so we can do like recordings and things like that. Uh, but I got to like design the classroom myself. So like I've, I've been working at WimCat for a while. Um, back when they were in the, the old building, uh, like Fulton. Mm. And then when they moved to the new building, I actually took a year off. So I got to design my whole classroom and then not even use it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. And then I ended up coming back like the following year. Um, and like, that was like being able to use, I did, I came back the following year for like a year and then COVID happened <laughs> or it, was, it wasn't even a full year. It was like nine months and then COVID happened. <laughs> and it was like, oh, now we have to transition it to virtual. And, um, and so now being back in the studio is nice. And like teaching what I do with teaching, like how to, you know, you know, recording tech, but also like, music production you know making beats video and all of that like students love it um being able to like take that knowledge from what i have in my experience and giving it to somebody that young um and seeing what they're gonna do with it to me that's like yeah because like me growing up i never had like a program where i'm you know that they teach me how to record audio or teach me like <laughs> what all these terms mean and also like you know how to, you know, if I need a whole orchestra behind me, how to do that in MIDI <laughs> and like, you know, how to get all of these ideas across. And then you could, you know, print off sheet music and bring that to musicians. Like if you want, yeah, they don't teach any, I've never learned any of that like in a classroom atmosphere. So it's just like, well, now I have to find something out, search on YouTube or find an expert. <laughs> like shadow some people it's just they get to skip all of that the jump straight into the creative part which is cool yeah i i uh in my instagram story i shared this this kid who's like <laughs> he was like recreating at least i if, if he wasn't exactly recreating it it was like a similar vibe to like what sounded like a 90s hip-hop beat and this kid's like <laughs> you know you know like thinking about like the layering of the music and like he was he played a little drums bass keys self-producing it and then you know i'm sure one of his parents was like filming the process and edited into a clip but you know he's like he's like i think uh we need to add some uh some of these some of the contact strings and he's and he sh shows him recording it and then <laughs> he, he takes a sip and it's like they zoom in and it's like a sippy cup and i'm like how old is this kid <laughs> he's like making beats <laughs> and he, you know he's like he's like oh we'll we'll make a harmony track and then he looks at his dad like how do you spell harmony <laughs> he's like how do you think you spell harmony he's like i'm just gonna put an h <laughs> I'm like this kid is already making beats and he can't he's like 
he, his feet don't, don't touch the ground from the, the studio seat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just excited to see what like the kids do with music in general. Like, you know, we have, I think like music goes in cycles where mm-hmm. it's like, you know, there's like movements and there's anti-movements and they're like, there's genres that are popular and then everybody hates that genre, like disco. And then, you know, disco had has it's resurging now. Like all the Daft Punk stuff is disco. It's just like that's disco. It's like they're just taking disco records and re- rebranding them. <laughs> um, so it's just like you know, what are these kids gonna take? Like from growing up, like I guess I had. Like in my household, my mom listened to a lot of Stevie Wonder, stuff like that. Uh, Let's your light orchestra, stuff with a lot of like instrumentation. My dad was just more like funk, uh, yeah, like parliament, that type of stuff. Uh, And then like me, when I started like, you know, listening to music heavily, it was like early nineties, for me, it was like Missy Elliott when like 94, 95, and she was doing stuff with SWV. Mm. And then going from there to like her debut album, like I was like, oh, this sounds so different than everything else. Like, I want to learn how to do that and like make beats like that. <laughs> and that was like, yeah, like the old genuine stuff. So, like, all of that's still like in the music that I make today. It's just like in the ether. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's just like Stevie Wonder. So it'd be like Stevie, some mix of like old school, like Black Ground. That was their record label at the time. The Black Ground stuff. So it was like Aaliyah. Yeah. And then it's like later, like in the mid 90s, or like going to the later 90s, I dove more into just like hip hop. My favorite was like in that age was Buster Rhymes. Just because like, oh, okay. he could do everything. <laughs> he could <laughs> rap slow, fast, hype, <laughs> could do whatever. As a song with Janet Jackson, as a song with ODB, as a song with whatever. <laughs> it's just like he could do it all. Uh, <laughs> so that was like, and he was just like animated, and all his videos were super weird looking. And he had like fish eye, and <laughs> he wore crazy costumes. It was just like the whole sensory, like, had a good mix of like visuals with the actual music. So it was, a, it was almost like a cartoon. Um, and then like going through college, I got like into more serious music, just like, oh, now I need something with more of a message. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, thought provoking stuff. And then now it's like all of that kind of goes into the music we create. So it's like, I think the first like Lake Virtue project was the Leah tape, and that was like because that's like a Leah background, all of that <laughs> was like childhood childhood stuff. So those first three like EPs were like titled after childhood crushes. So it was like <laughs> Aaliyah Yahura, which is like Star Trek, uh, and then uh Aman. It's like, yeah. <laughs> um, so that was like childhood crushes. 
turn into EP names. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad place to start with. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then that's like also like helped as far as like Ilya was like the sound. We talked about that like background and stuff like that. Yeah, her always like just like the music of Star Trek, just spacey stuff. I like space, so that was just like. Uh, and then, um, Aman obviously like David Bowie, so that got me into liking David Bowie. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good mix of, I, I, I think of like, because <laughs> I feel like you know, a lot of my early influences were, uh, my dad would play a lot of, um, you know, uh, blues or, and then, you know, stuff like Stray Cats type of rock and rolly blues, uh, Ray Charles, um, you know, Motown soul music. And then my mom would listen to a lot of, uh, you know, CCM and then like certain pop music. So she was like, into the yeah the the contemporary gospel and you know mormon tabernacle choir and that kind of sound and yeah. and then you know i i grew up going to madison square church which you know they would always try and have like all right laura laura carpenter's kind of leading the gospel thing and that was after like you know ken reynolds you know decades ago was the md there and um uh, but they also would have like, oh, it's this, you know, middle-aged couple doing folk music <laughs> and then playing a guitar. And, and, uh, so that was kind of the mix of like, oh, you're doing the, you know, if I was a kid in like a, a the children's worship band, <laughs> oh, yeah. um, playing, you know, for like third graders as a fifth grader and, uh, you know, hearing that kind of you know, contemporary Christian music, but in that band, um, Jeffrey Niemeyer's younger brother, Matthew, uh, he, he actually got me turned out of two things. One was seeing that you could use CDs as storage instead of just burning, you know, a, a, a listenable CD. Uh, and then through that, he would, you know, every time we, we would rehearse at his house, he would just send me home with like, you know, two CDs just packed full of songs. <laughs> so oh, yeah. I was like listening to like, you know, Dream Theater's like Octavarium and like, you know, Welcome to Buckethead Land and then like, uh, you know, early Metallica and, uh, you know, the Raconteurs, <laughs> just all sorts yeah. of like rock and metal and, you know, weird solo music and that was around the time too that like guitar hero started becoming popular among my friend groups. So, you know, that influenced a little bit of like, Oh, I like this song. Like, let me check out the band. Um, and you know, all the while I'm studying like classical music. <laughs> so I was like, you know, having to learn like Rachmaninoff and Bach and just getting that absorbed thing. Uh, and then high school is kind of around the time I started listening to jazz, just being in, you know, at the school jazz band and, kind of having an interest in learning jazz. Um, and it, you know, it all kind of came together at Grand Valley, at least a starting point of like, I can study classical, I can play jazz. I have enough time to, you know, 
learn metal songs on guitar <laughs> and uh <laughs> like all of that combined with uh getting exposed to contemporary classical music um which you know you got the minimalist like steve reich you got the weird tape editing stuff you have the like the super off the wall like you know this is very conceptual and like just it's an idea it's not not even like a tune it's just you know <laughs> abstract or the score is just this image is the score and you as the artist interpret it and um i feel like that chunk of like end of high school to like you know end of grand valley those years were like just listening to all different kinds of music and and then playing a lot of different because i was also like you know playing with brad fritcher and we did like the stuff at the death house and yeah <laughs> all the craziness cool. there <laughs> with the yeah. with that like plain fuselage space heater that you had yeah <laughs> it was shoot flames out <laughs> it, was, it would scare people when we turned it on like shoot a bunch of flames out it's like a huge kerosene heater <laughs> like normally they're like half the size of that this one was just like huge but it like it, it heated up that space but now those jazz shows, they were fun. It was just like super cold all the time, like through the winter in that space, <laughs> having to like, I felt bad for Brad because like, <laughs> can't really warm up his trumpet. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 well, and you know, I was just talking with Brad the other day of like, about you know, eventually him and his wife are going to move back to Michigan. And, you know, we had been talking kind of ever since the, the speakeasy jams we had went away and then, you know, trying to do the similar vibes at, you know, death house and some other half finished building on the West yeah. end. Um, the, you know, we're, we're like trying to figure out a way to, create that environment again um or you know whatever version of that environment yeah happens now and it happened to line up i'm i'm subbing in with the motivations on sunday and it's like a private event for this venue in traverse city that may is like she would i guess she's been talking about it for a couple years but it's almost like a co-op venue where like everyone that's attending this fundraiser all has like a stake and ownership and like financial backing of this venue, um, which would be cool. Cause that's like, you know, it, it's less of like, you know, a, well, some, somebody trying to take out a loan and then like make back that money on the back of a venue or yeah. selling to live nation. And then it just becomes a live nation venue or something. <laughs> yeah. I used to work for live nation. I know how they they're like there's a new venue popping up how do we buy it <laughs> wait a minute this isn't part of the live nation family <laughs> yeah we're supposed to control everything <laughs> every venue every radio station ticket master the whole lot yeah talk about antitrust laws like <laughs> what if you own all the culture <laughs> yeah let's own it all our band like even starting out um, I'm like a counterculture, I guess like we, we, 
we started out because we couldn't book any venues in the city. So we started doing shows with that and like other places where we just rent it out and then just like throw parties and like make them cool. Like we'll change the space on the inside or like do something weird. Uh, and it was, that became like the thing. So people were just like expecting that every time we did a show, just like, oh yeah, you know, this something different. Like they're gonna do something <laughs> where like the space is all like, it's different every time. Uh, and then um, actually got banned from some venues. <laughs> I got banned from the break break room. It's not around anymore. It was like a pool hall venue space. Oh yeah, that's near where I live. <laughs> and uh, I got banned. I, I'm I'm not gonna dive into that story because it's. <laughs> uh, but like a year later, they're like asking to book us because like those parties got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then we started going to different venues. Um, and like, as much as I like doing like, you know, like a normal bar venue, whatever, it's not the same as like how we were. Yeah, cause like, it was just more so the people were there for the party, were there for like, uh, like a bar venue is just kinda, you know, people are there to drink for the most part. <laughs> They'll sit there like, nod their head and like sip the whole uh, King of the Hill stick, <laughs> the whole shot, and then just be like, oh yeah, your set was amazing. <laughs> it was just like, I couldn't tell. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just that type of, that type of vibe. Um, and so like, when I actually ended up doing a show at the Death House, and then uh, talked to the guys there, like Jonah and Lum, and they were just like, yeah, we're closing it down. And I was like, why? They're like, we can't afford it. But I was just like, I was a bar back at the time. <laughs> and I was like, well, how much is rent? They're like, they set a price. And I was like, I can afford that. <laughs> like, it was super, it was dirt cheap. I'm not going to tell you how much it costs, but it was dirt cheap. And I was just like. 30 bucks. And <laughs> a a six six or, yeah. <laughs> uh, so they like go to the space and it's like, it was cool. Like the skate ramp was already built in there. Rich helped. Rich ended up building that. Um, it needed some work. Like we had to like redo the top of it, like all the cement. Um, and then like fix up some other stuff. But like that space was awesome, especially in the summertime. But then in the wintertime, there was no heat. <laughs> and then like the bathroom started breaking like after like the second show. <laughs> and then it was just like, there was always like something wrong. Uh, we ended up tearing down like the whole bathroom, rebuilt it, repiped it all the way down to the sewer, and it still it's like fuck it up. So that was like the <laughs> yeah, the death house is like good and bad. So it was good like learning experience, but it was just str the whole time it was stressful. the The whole time there was just like uh, <laughs> there was always something wrong. There was always like shit going on uh, it was also like an experiment in freedom so like we allowed people to do whatever they wanted inside um right. sort of <laughs> within, <laughs> <And reason. laughs> within reason but uh when people have that about a freedom people tend to like 
not necessarily abuse it, but just like take it overboard, abuse themselves more than like the space. Yep. Uh, and so like that became a problem. It is just like, well, what do we do about that? <laughs> and it's like, it's just going through like the time we had it, going through like all the conversations, the like it was basically, it was me, uh, Sykes, Belvy, um, Rich Cannon were the main three. And then Rich left after like the first year. So then it was me and Sykes after that. Mm. With three people, it was just like hard. We had arguments between all three of us, <laughs> just like our stuff to book, uh, like this and this and that. Like we didn't want, you know, a bunch of EDM shows. I was trying to like bring more music to the space, like doing the jazz stuff. Uh, the jazz night, like, we still wanted it to, like, keep its original format of, like, being a punk venue. Mm -hmm. But then, like, all the, the punk scene was, like, split. So it was, like, there was, like, a lot of these newer punk bands, like, like, Soji, like, Ape Not Kill Ape, that, like, the older punks didn't like. So we would book them for shows, and then the older punks would get pissed and be like... <laughs> yeah why aren't you booking our bands and then it's like well now we'll book your bands and it's like whatever just <laughs> it was a whole, yeah it's just like and there, there was one funny story though so like we had for like one month did like three edm shows on like a saturday um like back to back to back and so like the fourth show that month was like it was the bitters i don't know if you know the bitters yeah uh, yep uh yeah, Jeff's band. <laughs> and this party bus shows up <laughs> with a bunch of like EDM kids. And I don't know, there was like this, but there was this uh, punk band. They're super dope. They're like, I think they're from like Youngstown, Ohio. Hmm. And it was another punk band from Chicago that was rocking that night. Um, and they were on, they were like heavy and loud. Like you can hear it down the block. So I'm like, they had to hear that when they were hopping out of this party bus. <laughs> and it was like a $10 ticket. And so like all these people, it was like 40, uh, it was probably like 40 of them paid to get in. <laughs> and they're there. And they're like with the light up shoes and all of that, like the whole fucking night, they're there to rave. Uh, <laughs> and they're like, what is this? And I was like, yeah, it's a punk show. And then this like girl tries to go get her money back from Jeff. And like he flips the table out on her. And like she comes running, like, you can't do this as your establishment. Like, we're never ever coming back here. Like, I'm like, it's a punk show. What the, what the fuck did you expect? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like the fair just gotta like this is it's just like you you can hear the music from outside. You should have known. Like, this is just I don't know. Like words mean things. <laughs> yeah, like words mean things. Use your ears. If you don't like a genre, don't like come to the show. Or just like ask the person that what's going on, you know, tonight. It's just I don't know. It's just a normal music venue where they could just complain to us and we were just like, No, fuck you. You can leave. <laughs> like like wait. It's just like, it like I'm not telling I'm telling my friends to never come here. It's just like <laughs> thank you <laughs> we, we don't want you here like it's just there was a lot of stuff like our format was just like we wanted more shows that like 
uh, for genres that didn't normally get booked. So right. like, I say EDM shows, but we didn't have a lot of EDM shows. We had like the Deep House, like Electro, some Jungle shows. Uh, so it was more so like just genres of electronic music that don't normally get, you know, play. Um, and same thing, like hip hop shows. We had like rap battles there. We had like, uh, yeah, jazz stuff, punk for the most part. Like, like as we started getting popular, um, a lot of people would ask, but, you know, at the death house. Um, but if it was like somebody that could book at like the pyramid scheme or somebody that could book at the intersection or wherever, it was just like, we don't want them just because like, you can book there. <laughs> you can book, you know, <laughs> these are these are for the kids that can't get those spots. You know, these are for the people that can't, you know, they don't have the resources and know the right people to get into those spots. Right. So like, you guys have your own lane. You guys can make your own money and do that. Like, this is, and I think that like helped helped a lot of people's careers, especially like in hip hop, like showing like younger hip hop artists that you can actually make money doing like, right. you know, music and actually like <laughs> the format and like how to like actually do it. Uh, and yeah, that, that I have like a bunch of artists to this day was like, yeah, you know, you gave me my start or like you showed me how to like actually make money <laughs> doing music because um, like most venues like they're you have to negotiate how much you're going to get, get paid yep and a lot of people are terrible at negotiating yes like it's a lot of artists like they just love to play and like it's like that's great but like you have to know your worth or else like venues are going to take advantage of yep or like any any promoters whatever just that's just the name of the game it's just like well, you know, I can get so-and-so for $50. You're going to get so-and-so for $50. Or like, you know, if there's somebody that should be getting like $1,000 a show, like they have the talent to book $1,000, to ask for $1,000 a show. If they don't ask for it, they're never going to get it. Right. And it's like, you have to, yeah, know your own worth. And it's like, there's other artists that like, you know, ask for $800 and then like, don't do anything. <laughs> right. It's just like, you know, they're just, so there's a give and take, but I think for most, like for most artists, there's no, like nobody teaches them how to negotiate. <laughs> like nobody teaches them like how to actually write up a contract and like say, Hey, you know, this is what I, <laughs> this is what I could do. This is what I need to get paid. This is what I need to perform. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> you'd be a great child. And I can bring this. Like, yeah. Um, so that's been like, I've been trying to teach that in my class, but we haven't got, like, this is our first year back in person full right. time. So like, uh, we're not doing, like normally I would do a whole full year, like programming where it's like, first semester is more so like uh you know learning the tools how to record how to you know produce how to do this how to do that and then like the second semester is like now we're going to put together a performance or a show or something like 
and we're like we have community partners we could partner with whoever you know pyramid scheme listening room whatever and they'll do a show we like think we did Creston brewery before covid yeah um they did a show down there uh our students did a show down there and like that i want to get back into doing stuff like that but it's like now it's more so just like semester at a time so it's like let's see what i could do with this semester i might have like all totally new students the next semester um so i just don't know but that was like the cool part about covid everybody learned to pivot and <laughs> adapt <laughs> quicker and quickly <laughs> so like now it's like and i can like conversate with my students like via you know google classroom or like Zoom or whatever, even outside of the class, um, that's been like cool. So I can just be like, hey, if you want to learn more about this subject, I can set up a Zoom meeting. If you want to come in the day and work on some stuff at LMCAC, because like right now we're doing Monday and Monday and Wednesday for the main core classes, and I teach like uh, we have like other stuff that I teach uh, in the morning. We have like a uh, partnership with Harrison Park uh, and things with you prep. So like, regardless of all of that. Uh, it's just like the main programming. There's like days, like a Tuesday and Thursday, where like after school, the building's open. I'm like, you could just ask, <laughs> like if you're passionate about like the music and all of that, just ask the staff here and they could like set up stuff for you. But right. it's having to ask, that's hard for like artists in general. Same thing with like having to ask for like your pay rate or having to ask like can i use this space at times this not the classroom right um, i think it's just like getting past that i try to teach like outside of like this is the stuff like music and all of that just like creative confidence and like being able to like walk into a room full of people because i'm like an introvert at heart like but I can walk into a room full of people and like maneuver um, and be able to like talk to people and demand like what I want or what I need. Or, you know, <laughs> this is, you know, for a band, like this is what we need. This is what we want. Yeah, it's just trying to teach that. And like in high school, all these kids are awkward. They're just <laughs> <laughs> like, if you remember, you're like, you're just, you're coming into yourself so like mm -hmm. self-conscious about like everything uh yep especially when it comes to like adults like <laughs> kids are like they're self-conscious amongst themselves definitely but then like around adults they are more self-conscious it's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> um especially if there's more than one adult in like the classroom or more than one adult because like sometimes like you know i have other adults come in they're just like they'll kind of clam up i'm just like you don't have to be you don't have to do this around these people like it's creating that environment of being safe and like this is a space where you can be yourself be outspoken yep like you know get your ideas across and then like give other people the space to get their ideas across um because it works both ways it's like and that's like outside of like teaching the technical aspects of music and music production and all of that like that's the main thing i want to get across in my class it's just like be confident enough to like even if you don't go into music 
you never do music again for the rest of your life. At least you learn like some life skills. Yep. <laughs> yep. Some, <laughs> some life skills. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's a great like kind of umbrella term for I don't know, the, this whole discussion, your whole background and creative confidence, you know, like nobody yeah. had to tell you like, oh yeah, you're going to run a punk house or you're going to be in a sound company. Like you just saw the things you wanted to do and you got involved in something that even if it was temporary, you, you picked up a skill or, you know, added it to your toolbox and built something else with it. And I think that's a, a great yeah. thing for, uh, you know, all sorts of artists to, to remember, especially like, yeah, as you're saying, adapting post COVID, like so many people learned streaming for the first time, or they used, you know, their phone for anything other than social media or texting. Like they figured out how to, you know, record video, maybe even edit video. And, um, yeah, I think this was a great, uh, discussion overall <laughs> just to hear more yeah. about the underground some of the underground stuff that i didn't know and so you know some of the history of you know working in this city so uh yeah yeah appreciate no, it was it was great like yeah i, I enjoyed it. <laughs> i enjoyed the conversation yeah no it was it was great uh where should people you know like where do you want to steer people online to find out what you do website or socials or any of that <laughs> yeah socials so like uh i think it's late creative band on facebook it's also late creative band uh it's ig uh, at me personally it's just dante cope d-a-n-t-e-c-o-p-e so like at dante cope if you want to do twitter or instagram or like yeah facebook you can just search at Dante Cope on Facebook and actually like your teeth, I think will pop up. Oh, um, nice. So that is, yeah, if you want to get the music there or like creative, hang on, I got to spell it out because a lot of people don't know how to say this or pronounce this. I keep <laughs> like glossing over it. So it's L E S C R E A T I F. You can search that on Spotify, whatever, social media, and all of that. So not less creative because we get that at every show we've performed <laughs> up next less creative less creative <laughs> it's like it's, yeah it's <laughs> I'll even like tell tell them like before the show like slay creative it's French I know I know it's like Detroit <laughs> it's like yep. <laughs> you know there's some French words you could, you could, yeah <laughs> yeah well awesome i'm sure folks will check out all the things you do and maybe some people listening have kids into the arts and might want to you know see about getting into wimcat or other opportunities like that so yep. yeah wimcat wimcat.org uh wmcat.org that's uh the website team programs is the click that link Awesome. And folks will be able to check stuff. I'll put links in descriptions and stuff. So I'm pointing yep. down. We I don't know where they are on Spotify here. Yeah, <laughs> they won't see it visually. But <laughs> um, and then we're re releasing, I don't know when this episode's going to come out, but we're releasing new music on Halloween. 
Oh, nice. Yeah, this should be up uh, tomorrow, so. Okay. <laughs> playing, playing it close to the chest. <laughs> awesome. So, new music on Halloween. Awesome. <laughs> well, cool. Follow this link. Whatever. Yeah, that link. of the links. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Yeah, I'm sure we'll run into each other soon this fall. And uh, yeah. yeah, we are playing a show together. Oh, uh, is that the thirty-eight? Oh, that's the one I can't. Uh, oh, <laughs> never mind then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sh- yeah. The I have uh, Earth Radio and Flex Festival are doing a Halloween bash, so. Skiing that night, <laughs> but, but at some point we'll do what we recorded <laughs> and and more. <laughs> but awesome, yeah. Well, enjoy the rest of your evening. Good so, talking to you. Um, yeah. Thanks everyone for checking out today's episode. That was a great chat. It was great to hear a lot more about the underground and DIY scenes uh, from Brandon's perspective jobs in West Michigan and hopefully you learn something about being an artist or being confident in whatever you do being flexible and creative in approaches to different things uh, it's always fun to hear other people's perspective and experiences uh, in these types of discussions so Remember, you can support on patreon.com slash You can check out my website, dutchersnedeker.com, for all the other things I'm doing. And you can always share and post and like, subscribe, all the, all the things, all the buzzwords, all the algorithmic feeding things. You can do that to help push this out to ether. So we'll catch you next week for another episode of Mitten Backstage. Take care.